The end of World War II saw the beginning of a different kind of war, the Cold War. The United States and the Soviet Union never openly declared formal hostilities, but fought each other through a series of proxy battles. Some of these battles were over the control of national governments, others about the placement of missiles, and some were all about names. A name for everything, but what's in a name? The name of this host is Eric Goldstein, and the name of the show is Namely. post-war superpowers clashed over the names of new chemical elements. Excuse me. Oh, sorry, dropped my petitions, but I'm so glad you brought this up. Brought what up? The names of chemical elements. This is a show all about names, right? Yes, but... I'm sure you are eager to support the cause. Hold on. Who are you? My name is John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. His name is my name, too. I get that a lot. I'm sure you do. Um, and what is your cause? I am the chairman of the Society for Alphabetic Equality. We wish to increase the frequency of use for underrepresented letters. Like Z and Q? Exactly. And yet, you call yourselves the Society for Alphabetic Equality, the S-A-E? Aren't those three of the most commonly used letters in English? Zounds! You're right! I will start considering a new name for our organization. Great. I'm going to get back to the names of chemical elements. Thank you for reminding me. We need to write an injustice on the periodic table of the elements. What injustice? Of all the elements listed in the table, not a single element's abbreviation... Also called its symbol... Yes, not one of the symbols contains the letter J. That's true. And, at present, none of the symbols has the letter Q either. But that could change, at least temporarily, if scientists ever discover the element with atomic number 124. I've done it! I've discovered a new element with 124 protons! I've found unbiquadium! But that would require a cyclotron, particle accelerator, tools we don't have in this lab. No, but look inside this flask. I have contained 124 hydrogen atoms. That's not the same thing. But they're very close together. How do you know they're close together? I use scotch tape. When a new element is discovered, it gets a temporary name while the permanent name is being debated. The International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry, or IUPAC, uses the systematic naming convention. And that allows for J's and Q's? No, only Q. The atomic number of an element is the same as the number of protons it has. For example, if someone were to discover element 120, its temporary name would be unbinilium. Un for one, bi for two, and nil for zero, with ium at the end. And would its symbol have a Q? No, uh, that one would be UBN. But if one of the digits were four, four would correspond to quad, and it would have a Q in its name. When the element with atomic number 114 was discovered, its temporary name was Ununquadium, and it had the symbol UUQ. And then someone removed that beautiful Q from circulation? Yes. 
Eventually, un unquadium became florovium, with symbol FL. What kind of name is that? It's named for the Russian nuclear physicist Georgi Flerov. He's one of the major players in the war we're discussing today. Is this war over getting J into the periodic table? No, but there was once a J in the periodic table, in the very first periodic table. What? We lost a J? In 1869, the Russian chemist Dmitry Mendeleev discovered periodicity. Some chemical elements behaved very much like others. Mendeleev grouped these elements together and developed a table to represent them this way. That was the first periodic table of the elements. Oh, here's Mendeleev now. The noble gases all behave the same. Don't want to join or play the bonding game. But the halogens are active, find the alkalis attractive. These discoveries, they lead me to proclaim. This is the periodic table. Using this table, we'll be able to predict certain molecules of bound. To predict elements we haven't found. To predict how electrons run around. The moral of this fable is that chemistry is stable. Thanks to Dimitri's periodic table. Not only a great chemist, but catchy song. What does this have to do with a J? Most of the elements in Mendeleev's periodic table had been known since antiquity. They already had names in Greek, Latin, and a variety of other languages. One of these elements in Russian was called yod, spelled J-O-D. Mendeleev used the letter J as its symbol. So what are you saying? Yod isn't an element? It fell off the periodic table? Uh, no. Uh, but in other languages, like German, yod was spelled I-O-D. So when the periodic table got formalized for international use, chemists went with the letter I. To this day, element 53, which in English is iodine, uses the symbol I. We were so close! We'll petition to have it respelled the Russian way. No. You won't be able to change the names or symbols of already existing elements. The only real hope is to find a new one. The convention is that the person or lab who first discovers the new element gets to propose the name for it. Then I will discover a new element, and I will name it John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidium. That element's name is my name, too. What are you doing? I'm looking for a new element under your desk. No, that's not how you find new elements. Uh, there are no more naturally occurring elements to be found. You have to create them in labs with advanced equipment. I don't have advanced equipment, but I have come up with a new name for my organization. Really? The Junta for Quality Vocabulary. Oh, JQV. Those are less frequently used letters, but you realize a junta is a group that takes over a country by force. I'm using it in the metaphoric sense. To let you know, when a new element is named, the convention is that it is either named for a place related to its discovery or in honor of a great scientist. But if I discovered the element, then I would be a great scientist, and I could name it John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidium. Whenever it decays, the people shout hurrays. There goes John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidium. Some thought that the element with atomic number 113 might get a J in its name. It was discovered by the Riken Laboratory in Japan. So they named it Japanium? Sort of, but not exactly. You see, the Japanese don't call their country Japan. In their own language, it is called Nihon. 
I guess it's too much to ask for John Jacob Jingleheimer Nihonium. It's just Nihonium, with symbol NH. That's it. We cannot stand for letter disenfranchisement. This is war. Alert the Hunter. It's time to fight. Yes, fighting over the names of elements is nothing new. It really was a war, John. First, I'd prefer you call me by the entire name. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. His name is my name, too. Second, what do you mean it was a war? This period in the history of chemistry is called the Transfermium Wars. Transwadium? The element with 100 protons is called fermium, named for the physicist Enrico Fermi. Fermium is the element of highest atomic number which can be created in macroscopic quantities. Every element after fermium in the periodic table, the so-called transfermium elements, you can't make enough of them to see. Not only that, they undergo decay incredibly quickly. Each lasts only a tiny fraction of a second. But if you can't see them, and they hardly last, how do you even know you've created something new? That's the key question. And worse, not every lab agrees with how the other labs are determining if they've really made a new element. Initially, after World War II, there were only two labs working on discovering new elements. One was the Berkeley Lab in Berkeley, California. The other was the Joint Institute for Nuclear Research in Dubna, Russia. Oh! America? Russia? Cold War! Right! You see where this is going. Often, when one lab said they'd discovered an element, the other disagreed with the findings, only to claim they found it by more legitimate means. Then, there were fights over who got to choose the name. I could negotiate. I'll offer to pick the name for them. The Transfermium Wars are over. And they didn't always fight. In fact, Element 101 involved no fighting, it was considered an incredible gesture of goodwill. It was discovered by the Americans in the Berkeley lab, but they proposed naming it for a Russian, Mendelevium for Dmitry Mendeleev. Guy with a periodic table? The one that had a J? Exactly. And even then, they didn't put a J in the symbol? Well, there's not a J anywhere in the name Mendelevium. When the IUPAC approved the name, the element was given the symbol MD. One little J. Is that so much to ask? The element with 102 protons was not so smooth a process. The first scientists to claim they'd found it were in neither Berkeley nor Dubna. Johannesburg? Jakarta? Uh, sorry, but no. Jefferson City? No, it was a joint research project of the Argonne National Laboratory in Illinois, the Harwell Laboratory in Great Britain, and the Nobel Institute of Physics in Sweden. I'm pleased to announce that our joint research team has discovered element number 102. It shall be named Nobelium. Let the celebrations commence! Celebrations? Anyone? We experts at the Berkeley Lab need to replicate your results just to see if you amateurs are correct. We experts of the Dubna Lab need to replicate your results just to see if you amateurs are correct. Naturally, but I assure you. We experts of the Berkeley Lab were unable to replicate your results. We dismiss your findings. 
We experts of the Dubna Lab were unable to replicate your results. We dismiss your findings. Uh, hold on one second. We experts of the Berkeley Lab discovered element 102 ourselves. We experts of the Dubna Lab discovered element 102 ourselves. Berkeley found it. Dubna found it. Berkeley. Dubna. Berkeley. Dubna. His name is my name, too. You're in the wrong place. Uh, oops. Sorry. And so, the Transfermium Wars began. The Berkeley group, while insisting they found it first, were fine with naming the new element Nobelium. The Dubna group, who also insisted they found it first, wanted the name Joliodium. Joliodium? With a J? That's right. They wanted to name it in honor of Frederick Joliot Curie. And strangely, not in honor of his equally famous wife, Irene Joliot Curie. That would have been interesting because Irene Joliot Curie was the daughter of Marie Curie, or Madame Curie, for whom the element curium was already named. Yes, yes, yes. All interesting, but irrelevant to the Janus. Did they go with Joliodium? No. The IUPAC had already accepted Nobelium when the joint research team claimed the discovery and felt no need to change it. The Soviets were not happy. Neither am I. I suppose there's no J in the symbol? No. What is it? N-O. Yeah, I get that. No, no J. But what is the symbol? N-O. Stop rubbing it in. I just want to know what they chose. They chose N-O. It is an N followed by an O. Oh. No, that's oxygen. I get it now. Things went downhill from there. Glenn Seaborg of the Berkeley Lab and Georgi Flerov of the Dubna Lab got into quite a war of words, accusations, and acrimony that went on for decades. Now it's time for the main event, the International Convention of Nuclear Physicists. In this corner, wearing the Stars and Stripes lab coat, we have Glenn Seadog Seaborg and his opponent in the hammer and sickle lab coat, Georgi, the flexible flero! We discovered element 103, you pinko kami! No, we discovered element 103, you capitalist pig! We did, and we're naming it Laurentium for Ernest Lawrence! We did, and we're naming it Rutherfordium for Ernest Rutherford! Coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. They both want to name it for a scientist called Ernest. Well, that hardly seems relevant. On the contrary, Aunt Augusta, I've now realized for the first time in my life the vital importance of being Ernest. And thank you for that bizarre 19th century non sequitur. We're throwing this one to the judges. What does the IUPAC say? Laurentium, with symbol L-W. Things got even worse. Like science war? Like science war. The IUPAC itself suggested naming element 104 Dubnium for Dubna, Russia. The Americans were furious. Here are some of the names proposed for the next few elements. Kerchatovium, 
Soviets. Hanium. Americans. Neilsborium. Soviets. Seaborgium. Americans. Lerovium. Soviets. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidium. You just made that up. But it's my name too. Finally, the wars had gone too far. The International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry put together a commission called the Transfermium Working Group. This commission established the criteria by which it would be determined if a new element had, in fact, been discovered. These new criteria would be used to look back over the evidence of the previous transfermium elements and determine who had the naming rights. So, uh, good news, yeah, it's all worked out. We are going to announce the official names of the new elements. But remember our important rule. We're all using our inside voices. Fine, 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 fine. Element 104 will be named Rutherfordium with symbol RF. Boo! Hey! Hey! Right, sorry, not boo. Element 105 will be named Dubnium with symbol DB. Yeah, DB, short for dumb. You Americans. Hey, hey, hey! Do I have to call your mothers? No. Sorry. Element 106 will be named Seaborgium with symbol SG. This was a big deal. Twice before, the IUPAC had chosen names for elements that honored scientists who were still alive, Einsteinium and Fermium. But they had waited to announce those names until after the men had died. This was the first time an element was named for a living scientist and announced during his lifetime. Glenn Seaborg called it the greatest honor of his life. Has it ever happened again? Yes. The last element that has a permanent name, the one with 118 protons, is called Oganessin, named for the still-living Russian nuclear physicist Yuri Oganessian. Oh, gee. Right. That's its symbol. No. I mean, oh, gee, I still have a shot to get an element named John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidium. His name is my name, too. It's not your name, too. It could be. You're wearing a name tag. It says Elizabeth. Yeah, but it's Elizabeth Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. No relation. It's close. Close only counts in horseshoes. And hand grenades. And hydrogen bombs. What about square dancing? Drive-in movies. Polly's exclusion principle. Ha! Good one, Seaborg. Thanks, Flerov. Great, now they're getting along, which is kind of how it ended. After the Transfermium Working Group established the criteria and a few more labs got into the element discovery game, the Cold War frictions died down, at least when it came to naming elements. This has been very helpful. I know what I need to do. Find a new element. Good luck. Hey, Elizabeth Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Her name is my name, too. Of course, I was talking to you. You wouldn't happen to have a new element stuck to the bottom of your shoe, would you? Mm, seems unlikely. Like they say, leave no shoe unturned. I think we better end it here. Thanks for listening to Namely, where all is fair in love of names and wars about them. This episode of Namely was written by Eric Goldstein and directed by Eric Goldstein. You heard the fantastic voices of Kirk Gardner, Bob Ives, Lauren Shaw, and Eric Goldstein. 
Namely is produced in beautiful Reno, Nevada by Ryan Costello and Eric Goldstein. It features sound design by Eric Goldstein and original music, including our theme song by Stephen Alberti. If you have questions, comments, or an idea of a name you'd like us to explore in a future episode, send us an email. Our address is namelypodcast at gmail.com. On behalf of everyone at Pinky Pants Productions, thanks for listening, and name on!